Let's Talk Books. I'm Robin Van Auken, a writer and a teacher. My guest and I want to help you write your own book. We're sharing ideas about inspiration, book publication, and promotion. You can find the episode show notes, a free novel, guides, and tutorials at robinvanauken.com. Enjoy the show. It's episode number 13, and my guest is Steve Altier, the author of Books for Young People. He's best known for his children's books, the Gabby and Maddox Adventure Series. He also wrote a young adult novel, Lizardville, The Ghost Story, and he'll soon release a sequel. Steve is from Pennsylvania, and now he lives in the Tampa Bay area. If you're local, you might recognize the name Lizardville. It is a real place, a small road in Mill Hall, so the setting for his book is authentic. The ghost story? Well, not so much, but that's why we write fiction. Steve is doing an excellent job promoting his books. He participates in book signings, school events, radio shows, podcasts, and he's active on social media. He also spends a bit of time blogging. Steve says that writing is his hobby, but you'll soon learn it's a bit more than that. Although it's not his day job yet, he's well on his way to a new profession. We can learn a lot about ambition and happiness from Steve. As a writer, he's got those two figured out. You can learn more about Steve and his books in the show notes at robinvanauken.com. Let's get started. Well, hello, it's Robin Van Auken, the wholehearted author, and I'm here today with Steve Altier. And by the way, I just wanted to point out that this man is the author of a ghost story and it is a coincidence, but this is my 13th episode. I'm new to this. So welcome, Steve. Thank you for joining me. Well, Robin, thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. Now, I just want to let the audience know that um, this conversation was premeditated by me. I, I got onto my LinkedIn account and I typed in Writers Pennsylvania in this keyword search and uh, your name happened to pop up. But it turns out you are not in Pennsylvania. What really intrigued me is the fact that you live in the Tampa Bay area, which is where I'm from originally. So I thought, yeah, we got this connection. I've got to talk to this guy. Can you tell me about your experiences growing up here in Pennsylvania and what took you to my hometown? Well, um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I was born in a small town in Pennsylvania and grew up in uh, Mill Hall, Pennsylvania. It's in the center of the state. Uh, probably, what is it, maybe 30, 35 minutes from Williamsport. Uh, my parents um, originally were from Pennsylvania, and that's, you know, where I grew up as a child. And we grew up in a small town, had a nickname of Lizardville. <laughs> and, you know, as a child... Um, it was great. There was an old axe factory dam there. It was a broken down dam, the remnants of an old axe factory and, you know, a creek and, and a lot of swampy water and mountains. I mean, what kid would not be in heaven in that environment? I actually pulled it up on Google Maps. Um, yes, Mill Hall is definitely a place here in central Pennsylvania. I've driven through it quite often. My husband and I sometimes would take our boat and our camper down to Bald Eagle State Park. Um Yep. Down through Mill Hall. And there's a really good barbecue joint in Mill Hall now. So that's why it sticks out in my mind. But yes, there's Lizardville right here on the Google map. And then there's Fishing Creek. Yep. You actually mentioned the creek, don't you, in your books? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, 
originally my story, uh, Lizardville, the ghost story started out. I was trying to write a story more about my childhood, what it would be like for a group of boys to go out on a weekend camping trip. And some of my childhood adventures are incorporated into the story, but it just seemed to be missing something. Um, so on a rewrite, I brought in all the paranormal aspects. I just thought you know, it would be great if we talked about, you know, the, the boys set out on a weekend camping trip. The oldest boy, Parker, tells the legends of the Axe Factory murders, and little do they realize that they wake up the spirit world. Okay. All right. So before we jump too far into Lizardville, though, we need okay. to back up a little bit because you have written other books. You've been a writer for several years now. You have a series with a brother and sister, Gabby and Maddox. You yes. Tell me a little bit about that, how you got inspired to write children's books in the first place. Well, that's kind of a, it's a very unique story. Um, I was I've always wanted to be a writer. When I was young, growing up in high school, my parents, well, my father more so, leaned me toward the sports aspect and wanting to go into wrestling and sports. And I really wasn't that big, and I wanted to be a writer. So I took some journalism courses in school. Um, but after high school and graduation, you know, life kind of took, took me in a different direction. I joined the military, spent four years in the Air Force, and then raised a family, you know, was married and raised a family. I have four wonderful daughters. And years ago, they all, you know, moved on. And I found myself being an empty nester. And my wife and I, you know, rather than just sitting around and watching television all the time, um, I got in more back into writing and just dabbling in, in some stories. Well, to go back to answer your question, it was Christmas about six years ago maybe six or seven years ago. And I was, her family came in town and how convenient, you know, with the mother-in-law in town that I get sick and run a high fever. So I'm dreaming. I'm in bed for most of the weekend. I'm dreaming about this young boy and girl, Gabby and Maddox. And the names came to me and I don't know why or where. Um, and I kept having this dream that they found out they had to move at Christmas time. And, you know, their father comes home and says, look, we've got to move across country and we find ourselves, you know, that, you know, we're going to have to be on the road at Christmas. So the kids get into a panic mode and find out, oh, my gosh, how are we going to how Santa going to find us at Christmas? And a lot of the story just came to me in a dream. It was so vivid and so real that Santa has this elite group of elves called the family moving department and they monitor children all year round and find out where they're going to be. So Santa knows exactly where to deliver the toys. Um, the biggest concern for Santa in that story was were they, were they going to be in a home or were they going to end up being in a hotel? Because, I mean, hotels no place for children at Christmas. You know, that's, that's so funny because when I was five years old, my mother uh, took us on a, a trip from Florida to visit her um, parents in Virginia. And it was Christmas, of course, and that was my biggest worry was, oh, my gosh, we're not going to be able to have Christmas. We have no presents. And I remember listening uh, to the radio while I was like reclining in the back of, you know, the station wagon crammed with five kids. And all of a sudden, um, 
the announcer starts talking about, and Santa's sleigh is right there in the sky. If you take a look out right now, you'll be able to see it. And coincidentally, we did. We looked out, and I suppose that, you know, now, in retrospect, it was probably an airplane, a jet, (laughs) flying somewhere. Because we, you know, how long did it take us to keep looking until we saw that one light moving in the sky? And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, all right, Santa Claus knows where we are. Shoo, we're going to get our Christmas presents after all. Oh, very nice. <laughs> so Gabby and Maddox. Gabby is seven, Maddox is five in your first story, right? Then you bring them back on a trip to Italy. Oh, that's pretty unique. Tell me a little bit about that book. Um, yeah, so after the Christmas book, and it, w- it was kind of unique because I started writing the Christmas story right after, you know, I got better. And my wife was saying to me one night, who are you chatting with? And I'm like, uh, I told you I'm writing that story. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And it didn't take long before it was done. We went through the editing process and had that book published. Um, But the Gabby and Maddox Adventures in Italy book came after. We had a very unique opportunity, my wife and I, to spend two weeks in Italy shortly after the book was published, the Christmas book. And while we were there, I mean, we would go from morning till night and we'd get back to the hotel she crawled into bed and I sat there taking notes for the day. And I incorporated that story. Um, the children, you know, after they've moved across country, they settled themselves in their new town in, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And they, dad comes home, tells them, hey, look, I've got another, we, we have to go on a little vacation. And so they go to Italy for a couple of weeks because dad's over there helping his with his company. And the kids go to, like the Sistine Chapel and Gabby, she kind of fantasizes and visualizes that she is now, you know, Gabby, um, Raphael, you know, the, the, the famous painter over there. And, um, so myself, um, I turn around and, and I kind of incorporated, um, Maddox into the same scenario. He walks into the arena at the Coliseum and he thinks about his, the bully from school. And next thing you know, he's dreaming that he's a gladiator in, you know, in a battle with the bully from school. And so there's quite, I, I do have an anti-bully message in there about that. Um, Gabby, Matt, Gabby, and they both of them have these little fantasies and like excursions off, like they're traveling back in time. So it, it's a fun little story. A lot of fun facts about Italy um, and a lot of, you know, just incorporated little fantasies that they go off on their own. And again, I'm going to have to relate because my husband and I took a trip with our daughter to Italy and we got to go to the Sistine Chapel and the Colosseum. So I I didn't think at the time of translating it into a children's story, but I can see how it would have been a wonderful story. And speaking of that, I noticed Gabby is seven, like I said, and Maddox is five in the stories, but these are not little children's books. These these stories are significant. You, you're writing 60, 70, 80 pages in these uh, books, aren't you? They're pretty, I mean, that's a chunk. Yeah. Um, it kind of started when I, a lot of people write um, the picture books. Right. And I'm not an artist, um, so I can't really draw stick figures in my book. It's not really what people want to see when they're buying a picture book. And it would have been kind of hilarious to see something like that. Um, but I wanted to kind of write a story because to me, you, you kind of graduate from picture books and these small C spot runs type stories 
and you graduate right into bigger books. And I wanted something like a medium type of book. So I was thinking more about the Magic Treehouse. A lot of them are middle grade chapter books. They're short stories that an adult could sit down and read within an hour or so. Um, but a young child may take several days to read. Um, and and I just wanted to kind of have something that was like an in-between book that would help them, you know, transition to a larger book, right. something that wasn't so intimidating. I understand. I do appreciate those Magic Tree House books, too. I've I've uh, picked up a couple of them. I have a friend who's a librarian, and she recommended that I take a look at it because I had an idea for a story. I never fleshed that one out, though. I, I kind of stayed writing adult. And um, speaking of not being an artist, I see that you worked with an artist, one artist, uh, Joshua Allen, on your first two books, and then you worked with another artist on your third book, where they're they're off in space now in blast off. Tell me a little bit about that. And did you take a trip to Cape Canaveral for some background? Yes, I did. Um, my wife and I live in Florida, so it's very easy to go over there. And we've actually gone over and watched a few of the shuttle launches when they used to go up. We, we were there for the, the final shuttle launch as well. Um, but I can kind of incorporate the same type of aspect. Dad comes home one day, talks with the kids and, you know, why don't we go back to Florida and visit grandma and grandpa? And so they come back down to Florida for a summer vacation. And grandpa is part of a, an elite program with that, with NASA or the space center. He's part of the children's astronaut program. So he gets, um, he pulls some punches and pulls some strings, I should say, and gets Gabby and Maddox a ride up to the space station. So on their trip up there, things kind of go a little haywire and their spaceship gets lost. So they meet a strange alien named Spark from the planet Ubatuba. And he takes them back to his planet. And they, not everything's really what it appears on that planet. So he kind the, the children, the siblings help Gabby and Maddox, I mean, help the alien Spark and his uh, race to solve some of their issues and problems. And then in turn, they help them get back home. Now, when you're writing these books, you say you have four daughters. How old were your daughters when you were working on this series? Were you already an empty nester by then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're all, three of them are married. One is still in college. Okay. So do you have any grandchildren? Yes, three. All right. So you're probably writing a little bit of this with them in mind as well. And then, then you yeah. then you took a little sharp turn there and started working on your young adult novel, Lizardville, and it's been very well received. People are really enjoying it. I I see that you've got only five star reviews on your books. What is the secret to having such loyal fans? Um, well, I started with Lizardville. Let me back up. I, I I wanted to challenge myself a little more than the children's books, the what I call middle grade chapter books. I wanted to write something more for a little bit um, more of a teenager. And I wanted, like I said, I wanted to incorporate something about my childhood into a story. So I just, it's a long, tedious process. I mean, I write the stories, I rewrite the stories, and I, I turn it over to my wife, and I've got several better readers that read the stories and give me a lot of feedback. Uh, Lizardville took about two years to write, and I went through three different editors, and then there's a college professor that I went to school with. She's in Orlando, so she took a look at it and helped me 
So I put a lot of time and effort into refining that book and really getting it to what I wanted to say. Um, I don't want to put out a, I mean, a lot of people put out not quality product, in my opinion. You know, they don't do a lot of editing in the self-publishing industry, the independent industry. They just throw a book out there. And I want my book to be just like the professionals. Right. That's where I want to go. So you're saying that you want your book to be a professional. And is that one of the things that you've done? You created your own imprint with Dark Cloud Books. Is that your company? Yes. All righty. So now we're going to get into a little bit into the meat of <laughs> writers helping writers with this. You talked about hiring editors and hiring um, illustrators. How do you let go of your work and put it into another professional's hands like that? For number one, getting, you know, giving up that complete authority. And then number two, underwriting the expense of it, because that can be, you know, an unintended expense for a writer. Well, um, the expensive part, editing is expensive. So is illustrators trying to come up with a cover design that, that you're really happy with and like and want to go with. Um, I try to keep myself grounded. I enjoy writing. This is a hobby. And that's the way I kind of look at it. It's a hobby. Um, I do make a little money on it, not as much as I would like, um, not even a break-even point yet. So, I mean, every bit of pen, every bit of money that I do make, I put right back into it. Um, my wife and I have, and she's, you know, we've, we've talked about this. A lot of guys have a hobby of, I want to buy an old car and fix it up. You know, some women want to buy, you know, all kind of fashion and dresses and things like that. So we all have our little hobby, our vices. And that was one of the things that I just wanted to pursue my, my thing and, and follow my own dreams. And it's what I've tried to instill into my children is follow your dreams and go, go after it. Only you're going to make it happen. So um, I did a lot of interviewing with a few folks and I don't have a problem turning my work over to someone else. Some of them have had great suggestions. Um, I had some come back and say, I wish you would talk a little bit more about this in your scene. You know, I was wondering, I was left wondering about this, wondering about that. So I, I go back and I think about those things and um, I try to work some of them in and not every suggestion I like. But I mean, ultimately, I have the control over that. Okay. So when you're sharing rough drafts of your writing with someone, how do you find someone whose opinion you trust? Have you gone through several different beta readers and editors before you found the person that you felt you could work with best? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I look for, you know, I found two of the ladies on LinkedIn and both one of them was a, she had spent like 30 years working in the Chicago area for the major newspaper there as a senior editor. And she's retired and basically just does this on the side. Um, and she was very reasonably priced. And I really enjoyed the work she did. She had a lot of wonderful suggestions for me. Oh, that's great. Do you also participate in competitions with your books? Yes, I do. Um, I like to enter. And, and that's one of the things that talking with other authors, talking with editors, that they all say, if, if you really want to get to the next level, you have to have some accolades. You know, I've entered uh, Lizardville, received a five-star review from Reader's Favorites. It also received Best Opening Line from Writer's Boon, which is a uh, writing group that I belong to. 
and uh, I entered it into um, the Purple Dragonfly Book Awards last year, and it won first place for young adult fiction. Um, I was really excited about that. And that was kind of a unique experience. I received an email saying, you know, congratulations, your book's won. So I clicked on the link, and I immediately went to the honorable mentions, thinking, okay, I must have placed. I didn't realize when they said you won that I actually won first place. Wow. I was at the bottom and, and worked my way up. And I'm like, okay, I'm not in honorable mentions. I'm not third or second. Wow, I'm first. And I, I literally had tears in my eyes because it just made me feel really proud. Well, um, now you say that this is your hobby, but if I just pop over to your Facebook page, I see that you're really working this. You're going to to book shows. You're having presentations at local schools. You're keeping pretty busy, aren't you? And you have a really nice professional website. Well, well, thank you. Um, yes, I do try to keep busy. And to me, you've got to stay after it. You, I want to follow my dreams. I want to be, you know, the next Stephen King out there. And, you know, will I ever get there? I don't know. But that's a dream. And, you know, the thing that someone told me, um, a writer in Detroit, Michael J. Sullivan, told me years ago when, when I first got into this that he used to write stories to tell to his children growing up just to read to his kids. And as his kids got older, they told him, you know, Dad, I don't want to hear your stories anymore until they're in a book, a real book, like in a, in a bookstore. So he followed his dream and made that happen. Um, but he said, enjoy every step of the way. Enjoy every bit of the journey. And I'm trying to do that. Well, now you told Lizardville in that kind of context also. It's a father talking to his sons, telling a story, telling Correct. that ghost story. When I read the book, I didn't realize that you were the father of daughters. <laughs> you know, I was pretty convinced that, you know, you had a couple of little boys there. Do you have any grandsons? Yes, two grandsons. Yes. Okay. And how old are they? Uh, four and two. And right. one. Oh, did you say one on the way? No, one granddaughter who's a not even a year old yet. Okay. Well, it'll be a little while, but one of the first things they're going to do is probably pick up the Gabby and Maddox books, right? And have somebody read the two of them. Are you thinking when you say improve until you get to the next level, are you going to solicit um, a publisher possibly for your next work? Um, yes. And, and let me say I've got – we're putting the finishing touches on Lizardville. Um, the second story, and that will be the final chapter in the Lizardville uh, group. Um, but I am working on some other uh, ghost stories, so to speak, um, also based in the Pennsylvania area. Um, one that um, we're looking at calling it um, The Basket Maker Hollows, The Legend of the White Monkey. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> Are you pulling any of these from Shoemaker? Are you familiar with Shoemaker? Um, no, I'm not. Well, Shoemaker was a um, folklorist here in Pennsylvania, in central Pennsylvania, back, I think, um, around the Depression era. And okay. um, a lot of his work still remains as, you know, the ghost stories and, you know, the, the interesting, you know, urban legends of that day. Are you now moving on to write for older readers? Well, I was at a, a Barnes & Noble book signing one day, and there was... They, the Barnes and Noble here in Florida, there's several of them in the local area, and they're all very gracious enough to have these book events for local authors. Um, and they bring in five or six local authors from the area 
Yeah, because a lot of the stores like that will not carry a independent author. Right. So they have these little events. They get promotional money. They have book fairs for the schools, and they try to inter- let us interact with them. Um, and it's it's great. It's it's been a lot of exposure for me. It's really helped me along in the process. But I was at one, and I was I had my um, Gabby and Maddox series there, and the one boy comes up and he's like nine or ten years old, and he goes, "These are for babies." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, uh, you're probably right. You know, it's not really for something for you. And he says, well, write something scary, will you? And I just say, like, I took it to heart. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. And so that is what Lizardville, the second edition is going to be, or is this a new work that you've got? Well, I had a, you mentioned I had a lot of success with Lizardville. I really have. And I've had a lot of interest in the story. Um, a lot of people have sent me questions asking, you know, why didn't I talk a little bit more about this? What happens with this person? Why did this, why was this person relevant to the story? So in the second book, I'm going to answer all of those questions. So it's going to bring it full closure and bring it around to, you know, because the story is not done. Okay. They've got to send these spirits back. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that because you've got a couple on one side of the mountain and another one on the other side, and they're just there. Waiting for trouble. Yes, and they're going to find plenty of trouble in the second book. And you mentioned that one of your um, favorite writers is Stephen King. Are you oh, are you thinking yeah. about writing short stories like he did, or maybe novellas, or even novels for adults? It has crossed my mind. Um, there is one project I've been, I've thought about and took a lot of notes on, and kind of been writing a timeline for. Um, one of those psychotic thrillers that would be right up every adult's alley. Um, so I don't want to talk too much about it because sure. that's probably going to be several years down the road. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about your production now, the business of writing. Um, I, like I mentioned, I really admired your website. I noticed that it's it's so well done and you keep it updated. You keep putting posts on there. Um, who are you working with with your website and how did you find this person? Well, originally I hired a lady that was local here in Florida. Um, she, she lived here in the Tampa area, as I did. And I had just done a Google search and found her. And she was a very unique person. She wanted to meet in person. And I met several folks here from the local area in person. But I walked into, she wanted to meet at a Starbucks for coffee one morning. And she said, and bring your book. So I walked in and I, I recognized her from the picture and I walked over, introduced myself. She took my book and she kind of stood up and she's looking around, holding the book. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's really you. And she created such an excitement. People were looking at me like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? She was, I can't believe you're here in person. Oh, can you sign my book for me? And everyone's looking at me and I'm like, oh my goodness. What? And I said, like, this lady is a genius. She is She's into designs and everything else, and she just really helped create like an atmosphere around my 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 website because I, I just I fell in love with her to the point where like, oh you've got to do this for me. And, and does, she, does she help you with your social media as well? Well, unfortunately, about a year ago she got out of the business. Oh. She said this was something that she was tired of. Um, she wanted to move on to bigger and better things. She got a job, a, a really good job for a big time marketing company. Um, I think she does a lot of traveling across the country now. I mean, and, and I'm just 
really flattered for her, glad that she has found something that she's really passionate about and enjoys. But she did turn me on to a friend of hers um, locally here that was pursuing that type of career in designing websites. So I met up with Sarah O'Neill. Sarah uh, lives right here, probably a few miles from my house. And we met one evening and she came to the house. We sat down. She's like, can I have free reign of your website? So this website that you see today has only been online about a year. The original one is totally gone that uh, that Irma did for me. But Sarah just like, I've got some ideas. I want to bring it into the 21st century. She created everything from scratch, developed this website. My wife and I looked at it when she showed it to us. And uh, I'm like, I love it. We made a few tweaks to it here and there. And, you know, and I, I kind of just, I, I felt that I really hit the jackpot with this woman as well. Do you maintain it yourself? Do you update it with your own personal posts? Um, yes, I do. I keep the pictures updated. I do a lot of the calendar work myself. Sarah has been very helpful in teaching me some of the background work of the site. I add the pictures. I add the blog post. Um, I also, there's there's a few things that I can do. I, I know enough to be dangerous. Okay. And when I mess something up, I call her. <laughs> you also have several um, social media platforms. Which one do you enjoy using it the most? Uh, Facebook or YouTube or Pinterest? Where are you? Where do you live? Um, that's a great question. Uh, there's one thing, uh, going back to the original woman, Irma, when I met her, she said, pick four or five sites that you go to and do them the best you can. You don't want to be on 20 sites. Just pick the ones you do best. I really enjoy Goodreads. Goodreads is a website for authors and readers alike. And it's a great platform. I mean, there's like 300 million people on that website worldwide. So for an independent author, that is the site you want to be on. And they offer giveaways. You can set up giveaways. And people are always looking for a free book. So it's a way of getting your name out there, picking up followers, people that, you know, hey, I read his book. I want to read it. Is every book. And are you familiar with Goodreads? I am. I am on it. Okay, great. great. So you know what I'm talking about. There's a great way of sharing all the information about your book, the books you read, because everybody wants to know about their author that they like. Everybody wants to follow. Like, I like I want to know what Stephen King's reading next. I want to know what, you know, Michael J. Sullivan's reading next, because there's other things I like. And, you know, if they're reading it and enjoying it, I might like it as well. So it's, it's like I said, it's a great platform for all of us in this in this business. OK. Um, but I also do, I mean, I, I try to do a lot on on Facebook um, and Instagram is it's becoming one of my favorites, except you can't really write a lot. Just Instagram is more about just sharing photos. Right. But you go to quite a few events and you come out with a lot of photos from these events, don't you? Absolutely. I believe in sharing the experience with everybody. You know, like I said, enjoy, enjoy the venture. Now, when you um, talk about Lizardville, the second book, did you actually come home to do a little bit more research on this or are you working completely from memory? Completely from memory. Um, but I will be back this summer in June. Well, really? Are you coming home to visit family? Do you still have people here? Yes. Yes. I've got some fe- uh, friends and family that live in Lock Haven. Um, and I've also got a lot of friends in the Mill Hall area. And I also have some relatives up in Belfont. Okay. You know, one of the things that we forgot to talk about was um, your profession. Do you work full time somewhere or are you retired? 
No, I work full time. I am a purchasing agent for a janitorial company. And what is your educational background? Did you um, prefer any type of work or research over other? I mean, you did mention that you enjoy journalism. Yeah, I, um, I went to high school, graduated high school, took a lot of college courses when I was in the Air Force. Um, I do not have a degree. Um, I did some studies at the Williamsport Community College before I joined the Air Force. The old um, whack. Everybody talks about the Williamsport Community College. It's it's funny because it's now um, actually a Penn State University um, satellite called Pennsylvania College of Technology. And it's it's really a pretty special college now. <laughs> I didn't even know that, but okay. And you said you were in the Air Force. Where were you stationed? I was stationed three years in the Philippine Islands. Wow. Well, that was an adventure. Are you going to write about that? I mean... That's plenty of fodder for your imagination. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a lot that went on there. <laughs> I, I, I really haven't thought about it. My wife and I did take a cruise to Cozumel um, about two years ago. And I told her, you know, Gabby and Maddox may just, you know, end up going on a cruise and talking about the Mayan curse. <laughs> That's a great idea because then it becomes tax deductible. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be paying attention to the business aspect of it. Um, Absolutely. Now, you said you like to read Stephen King, but what other type of reading inspires you to write? Um, I read all kinds of – I read a lot of middle-grade stories. Um, you know, I read the Divergent series, the, you know, Suzanne Collins and The Hunger Games. I love that. I just finished a story. Um, by Teresa Driscoll, um, I Am Watching You. That's a, one of those psychotic thrillers. Um, really strongly recommend that book. If, if you liked uh, Paula Hawkins and The Girl on a Train, you're definitely going to like this one um, by Tris, uh, Teresa Driscoll. And it's the same thing. It's that London base. And part of me, I really love that style of reading. Do you get your books from the local bookstore or are you a member of any online book clubs? Um, I buy my, because I do a lot with, um, the Barnes and Nobles locally. I try to buy as much stuff through them as possible. Um, my wife and I have some hobbies. We like to also go to yard sales on the weekends. Yard sales in Florida are a year-round thing. So, I mean, it's 82 degrees here today, and I'm just saying. Hey, hey, it was 50 here today, and this full snow is finally starting to melt. <laughs> I'm glad you guys got in the 50s. That is awesome. Oh, right. <laughs> well, who have been some of the most influential people in your career as a writer? Well, I think for a lot of folks, um, you know, J.K. Rowling really turned the point for children's books. You know, before that came along, children's books were just kind of overlooked a lot of times. And that's the way, that's my personal opinion. I may be 100% wrong on that. But I think she really opened the door for a lot of people writing young adult books, you know, children's book series, because her books are children's books. And you go into any Barnes and Noble and ask to see Harry Potter, they will take you to the children's section. Right. And, you know, that opened up a lot for me. Michael J. Sullivan, um, he wrote a, a book that he, he writes the Ryria Chronicle series, and I love the that time era, you know, with the swords and the horses and and that type of stuff with the old nomads in the desert and stuff like that. But um, he really inspired me to tell me, you know, you follow your dreams and enjoy every step of the way. And this guy was 
quite a success. He does a lot of speeches to a lot of places. I reached out to him just to tell him I had read one of his books. I loved it in the back of um, Hollow World that I read. There was an article. He, he said, you know, if, if you like my book, reach out. Here's my website. Here's my you know, email address. So I, I wrote to him and he started writing back. And it's like, you know, this guy's taking the time to talk to me. And he's coached me a lot of, on a lot of little things that I would have never thought of. And um, it's really helped. It yeah, really that's has. very gracious. That is amazing. So what is your creative process like? I mean, I understand that when you're in Italy, you let your wife sleep while you sat up and took notes. But what do you do? What happens before you sit down to write and then while you're writing? Well, um, I like to write in the mornings. So and that's not always easy when you have a, a daytime job. So a lot of times in the evenings, I'll come home and try to write. But I, I'm, an idea comes to mind and you know, I'll stop pretty much whatever I'm doing and start taking notes. And I try to have, you know, here's an idea. Maybe it's something that somebody said to me. Lizardville kind of started that way. I was on Facebook chatting with an old high school friend and they said, you know, well, not everybody can say they grew up in Lizardville. (laughs) And this light bulb just came on and I was like, that would make a good story, Lizardville. So I started writing that timeline, you know, what would it be like to start and and I said, well, maybe a dad telling his kids what it was like growing up in the 70s. And I kind of write this timeline. These are certain points that I want to talk about, certain things that I want to bring up. Um, and I, I also look for that middle, you know, those filler areas and then an ending. And once I kind of have all that down, I start writing my story. And there's a few things in Lizardville itself and in some of the other stories that I didn't even know I was going to write until I got to that point. And there was one point that I was writing in Lizardville and the boys were stopping at a store. And next thing I know, I was I kind of got carried away on a life lesson there about honesty and trusting people. And I, I tried to add a lot of suspense to that moment when, you know, he goes in the store and he finds himself, you know, someone comes to the gas pump, the bell rings, um, the, the store owner walks outside to pump gas because that's what they did back in the 70s. There was no self-serve gas pumping places. So, you know, the kid finds himself, Johnny's standing there. He's alone in the store and it's like, you know, what do I do? Do I, do I take some candy? Cause that's what I kind of came in for and I don't have a lot of money. And, and then when the guy comes back into the store to make change, Johnny had got spooked and he stepped into the back office where there's a bunch of money sitting on the table. And he's like, Oh no, do I take this? What do I do? And, and all these things that his father told him about trust and honesty come to play. I never really thought any of that would come into a story of mine, but there it was. And I, a lot of it just kind of happens on the fly, so to speak. So knowing that a lot of it happens on the fly, what do you think are the basic ingredients of a story? Well, I think you have to keep the, the readers guessing. Um, that's, that's one thing. You have to make it an interesting story, something that they can relate to, something that, you know, a lot of feedback that I've received from the Lizardville stories Oh, it just took me back to my childhood. And I'm really surprised that the young, the younger crowd really is enjoying the story. The adults are enjoying the story as well. And, you know, a lot of adults come to me and say, this story took me back to when I was a kid. It brought back a lot of memories and made me feel young again. It made me take that trip back memory lane. And, and that stuff makes you feel good. And some people come and say that, oh, it, it brought back a lot. a lot of emotions for me. And there was some points in there that, you know, were sad and made me cry and other points that made me laugh and, and, you know, because I could relate to those situations. So um, those are are feelings that 
I mean, it, it just touches my heart and soul when someone says that I move them. Well, now you, you say them. that um, these are situations that people can relate to, but what do you think is required for a character to be believable? Like, how do you create well, your characters, like Johnny and Buck and Parker and Jimmy? Well, some of these folks were. Um, Parker, let's never talk about Parker for a minute. There was a guy I grew up with in town, and he was one of my best friends and my brother's best friend. And some of it, I kind of, kind of modeled after him. He was older than all of us, and I used that aspect. I wanted someone who was older, very confident, also cocky, and um, you know, always looking to go to the next level with things, and, and kind of wasn't afraid of things. So I, I, I used him as a role model when I was a kid, and uh, he got me in plenty of trouble too for that. <laughs> But, yeah, but um, I, I wanted to try to develop, you know, a little bit about their character and um, try to tell a little bit of side stories about him. You know, I go on a little tangent about Parker. And when he was growing up, he wanted to be an astronaut and he used to go to the stone quarry at night and just lay there and look up into the st- stars and dream about being an astronaut. And, the, and I even talk a little bit about an event that happened in the stone quarry one evening. Um, you know, just try to give a little bit of depth and a little bit of character development around each one. Um, there was another um, character, Scooter, and I want, you know, he was like that shy, awkward type boy, a little little chunkier than, than most of the kids our age. And, you know, he was just timid and wasn't really, had, didn't have the confidence that some of the other boys had, but he was a lonely, an, an only child and his parents spoiled him always had the best of everything. So I just wanted to kind of create a mix of, you know, all these kids with all these different personalities coming together um, to make it kind of a a, a unique little group of of kids. Well, it was a unique group and I can see it. I can definitely see shades of the stand and um, the body, Um, Stephen King's buddy stories, you know. One thing I will tell you, it's kind of a, a side story here, but you know, um, there was a, a lady in Melbourne, Florida. It's the other coast on the other side. And I went to a, she was having, she's like a college teacher. She teaches a lot of writing courses, but I went to an event of hers and she made the comment to me that when I got there, she goes, Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe you came to my event. And I'm like, okay, I'm nobody. She goes online. You seem like larger than life. And you know, that's one thing I really try to do is, create that image that I'm larger than life. You know, that you might be missing something if you're not talking to me or reading my books. Well, that's great advice for a writer. Thank you so much. Got to throw that in there. (laughs) And I will use it. Hey, you have a great weekend. And again, thank you so much for being a part of this show. Robin, thank you so much for the invitation. Greatly enjoyed it. Greatly appreciate it. And really enjoyed it. Had a wonderful time. And I hope your weather stays nice up there. Well, eventually it will because the earth will tilt on its axis. <laughs> I appreciate it. Goodbye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Steve Altier and that it motivates you to start doing more to promote your books. Find a social media platform that you can enjoy using and share news about your books. If you have a website, start blogging. Let people know what's new and what books you're working on. You became a writer for a reason. It probably started as a hobby, and now you're trying to make it a business. The secret is 
Don't lose your enthusiasm. Stay happy and positive and invite people to learn more about your stories. You didn't write them to ignore them, to leave them alone on a shelf. Get them into people's hands and encourage them to read. Look for Steve's books online at Amazon and look for me online at robinvanauken.com. While you're on my site, download my novel, West Wind. It's free. And speaking of free, I've got half a dozen free resources for writers and other creatives, so sign up today. Check out the episode and the show notes at robinvanauken.com slash session 13. Thank you so much. And if you haven't done so, please hit that subscribe button on your device. Until next time, goodbye.